Hey there, my name is Ashley. And I'm Ricky. We're husband and wife, part-time investigators, and hosts of the podcast Crime Salad. Crime Salad is a true crime podcast that investigates sudden disappearances, mysterious deaths, unsuspecting massacres, while also bringing attention to current cases or cases you may not have heard of. Some cases include twists, turns, and shocking conclusions, like the Lululemon murders or the episode titled Ghost in the Wind, The Disappearance of Jolene Cummings. We cover all of the cases and true crime tales we're all craving to learn about. If any of these stories intrigue you, we recommend listening to Crime Salad wherever you're listening now. This episode may contain content of a graphic nature. Listener discretion is advised. Thanks for joining us today on another episode of Body to Burial. I'm Mariah. And I'm Nikki. We're just two regular true crime junkies who decided it was time to see crime from a new perspective. This is Body to Burial. All right, we're back in front of the mic for another good one. I'm excited for today because it's really relevant to my household in particular, especially because Wyatt just went and did this this weekend. Really? Um, yeah. yeah. What is that? Yeah. Because to, today we've got Kurt with us, okay. who is a rescue diver. And while Wyatt's not a rescue diver, he is a scuba diver. And we always talk about the rescue divers and like, what's that? The uh, the Ashton Kutcher movie with the Navy diver, the rescue diver. You know what I'm talking about? I vaguely do, actually. What was it? I can't remember the name of it, but it's one of Wyatt's favorites and we watch it all the time. So we always talk about these rescue divers and I always tell him like, cause he always, you know, how they always want to like join the military. And so I'm always like, you can do it if you join the Navy and you're a rescue diver. <laughs> Wasn't he coast? Was it, co- no- was it coast guard? Was he the coast guard? Maybe coast okay. guard. Yeah. That, that could be it. Yeah. Yeah. I do the, remember the that helicopter movie. thingy. Yes. yes. Long time ago. Movie. Yep. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. Nothing recent. Um, yeah. So yeah. So we got Kurt joining us, who's going to tell us all about rescue diving. And I feel like that's such an interesting thing because I also don't really know, like, is there an organized group, like a company that you hire? Are these just individuals who are certified in rescue diving? Because for instance, for those of you who don't know about scuba diving, I have a little tiny bit of knowledge about it. And so there's different certifications you can get. So you can dive to certain depths or Mm -hmm. you have to get a certain um, certification to do night diving. Like there's, so there's different things. Yeah. So I'm not sure. I'm assuming obviously there's different training that they do. Cause like, because Wyatt is only 12, he has to scuba dive with like a dive master. So there's like certifications to become a dive master, which is essentially think of it as like a teacher, someone who just like tour guides you around where you're diving and just is there in case you start to have an issue with your tank or, you know, something, somebody a little bit more knowledgeable than yourself in case something went wrong. So I imagine they do some sort of certification to like that level. What are they, what are they rescuing? Like a body? Yeah. Like a body. I think very rarely it's like somebody that's alive. Oh, you know, okay. I, I guess we should call it more like recovery diving. Oh, okay. Got like, it. So yeah, they're the ones that are going into the lake because maybe they think there's a body there, you know? Is um, it only lakes? I got to no, ask them they that. can do like, it's ocean yeah, too. no, I think, I think it's oceans, rivers, streams. I think any body of water. Crazy. Like the girl from, um, so sad. The girl from Glee. Remember that? 
in the lake yes. with her son. That killed me. That yes. was so sad. That was awful. Awful, awful. Yeah. So yeah, like he would be part of the team that comes in to like look for her. Oh, sad. Okay. All right. That's interesting. So, yeah. That's a really interesting I mean, job. It's, it's kind of a bummer, bummer, sad job, but I think really an interesting job. And like, I'd love to know how he got into that. I don't know if I would want to do that. That would remind me of like, did you ever watch Lord of the Rings? No. What? <laughs> I know. I knew you were going to say that. What? <laughs> no, it, I, it's too like, I don't know, mystical. Oh, no, no. That's weird. Well, Frodo falls into the like lake thing, stream thing. And it's all these like dead souls that are underneath that are trying to like grab at him. And I'm picturing a rescue diver, like, you know, you're under it, you know, you know, you're looking for someone. I don't know if I would be okay with someone just what if they just they're there, like Frodo, you know what I mean? Yeah, see, I don't I don't have that visual. But I know you can relate to this visual because I know it's movie you've seen. I think of Jaws when he goes under the first time. And he's like swimming around with his flashlight and the guy pops up for that jump scare who is like, yes, that's what I think of. Okay. I couldn't handle the jump scare. <laughs> yes. Component of this job. Yeah. Oh, that would freak me out. I wonder if it's even like that or that's just obviously fictionalized. So that's a question we got to ask him. I don't know. I feel like it's got to be like that because how else would it be? I mean, you got to be swimming around and then all of a sudden it's like, there it is. Because most Ugh. of these bodies of water are dark and murky. Ugh. That's like a combo. Very I don't limited, like. you know, visibility. So I don't, I don't know. Okay. Well, that's a combo well, that is bring, not my favorite. Agreed. A hundred percent. But let's bring Kurt in. Okay. And like, let's get to the bottom of this and how yeah. he does it. Because I'm excited. And it's kind of making my skin crawl a little. So let's see. Hello. Hey, Kurt. Hi, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? Very good. Awesome. It's now still an okay time? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Perfect. I thought we would just jump in. So you are a rescue diver. Is it technically like a rescue and recovery diver? What's your official title? Well, I was in the Chicago Police Marine Unit for 18 years. Wow, that's and amazing. Yeah, considered a police diver, you're doing recovery, uh, evidence recovery, people recovery. If Pretty much if you're diving for somebody, it's probably a recovery. When somebody drowns and goes down under the water, depending upon the depth of the water. So if you're in 30 feet of water, the rule of thumb is that could be a radius of 30 feet on the bottom that the body will go down minus um, any type of current. So you have about eight minutes before you're brain dead. Um, So you're looking at the likelihood of bringing somebody up alive, uh, slim to none, Unless they're a child and they call it, I believe, the mammalian effect. And that would be in the winter, which has occurred, where a child's down for 20, 30 minutes. And because of the cold water and some other neurological things of cold water and the age of the uh, the uh, victim, um, they're able to survive. Wow. Not without usually sometimes some neurological uh, damage, but in some cases they're there is none. Saying that, I'm not saying like we take our time going as fast as we can safely, trying to get a good location because we're always hoping that this will be the one, you know, that defies the science. How many divers are on that department? 
Well, when I got in the Marine unit um, over 18 years ago, we had close to 60 people. Wow. Through attrition, we're down to 20 people right now, and it's going to dwindle down even more. Um, everybody has to be a diver that is an officer. What is the certification that you had to to do to become a diver in the Marine unit? I ask because like my son and I both have like our C cards, we're scuba divers. And I know that there's like different levels of certification that he can go through to be able to do like night diving or, um, you know, deeper dives, that sort of thing. Is there a specific name of a certification that you had to get or a certain amount of hours? Or did you technically become like a dive master? Like what's the the path you would take if you were interested in becoming part of the Marine unit? I was on the street for nine years as a police officer. And then I had this interest to go in the Marine unit. And I knew that, you know, being a diver was part of your job title. So I, I'm like, well, they, they have no applications yet going out. So I'll prepare myself. So I went and got certified in open water. And then I'm like, well, you know what? I'll buy all my own gear. I'm going to keep on going further with this. So then I did advanced. I did um, uh, advanced adventure. It's all recreational. And then I did rescue, which I highly recommend the rescue diving course for anybody. It's an awesome course. Okay. It's a must if you're a scuba diver because you're going to learn self rescue and then you're going to learn about decompression. You're going to learn about uh, four types of embolisms, which is extremely important because that happens a lot, you know, to people. Um, mm -hmm. You can embolize. Uh, one is fatal and um, the other three you could survive and really understand it in the physiology of diving. So we just did basic recreational certification which would be open water, aga and dry suit, which are requirements because you use that equipment. And then they also do technical diving, which is beyond the recreation. It's going, you know, 200 feet, 300 feet. There's all kinds of complexity in doing that kind of diving, different gases that you're going to be using. Yeah. So, so that's basically where we were at. And then we would train with our equipment. The difference between public safety diving and recreational diving is really going to be equipment. You know, we would use a full face mask, which you could use in recreational. And we would use a dry suit that was a Viking dry suit, suit from Scandinavia, which you could use in recreational, but you're usually diving in lousy conditions. You know, zero visibility, polluted water, things of that nature, you know, which you normally would not do in recreational because, you know, the whole concept, the whole thing of recreational is you want to have a fun dive yeah you yeah know, you, you want to you want to see wanna, something <laughs> yeah you don't want to just go down and it, it's all churned up and there, there's no visibility because of the weather and the waves and you're like all right why am i down here you know so that's the really the difference you're doing it in critical circumstances there's a specific reason you're looking for a body or you're looking for say, a weapon or vehicle or something of that nature uh, then I, I was going to uh, get my dive master. Dive master is the first professional level in recreational diving. So I was uh, in that process when I took the Marine unit test. I told them of my certifications. They checked them. You didn't have to be certified as a diver. They would certify you within the Marine unit. And uh, what you do then is um, the Marine unit uses a full face mask. They call it an aga, and they use it so you're going to have to get certified in that. Then there's public safety diving. So how does it work when you are diving a case? Because when we dive, and I know obviously our experience is different, but I'm just trying to 
you know, compare it to what I know, like we only do two tank dives. So, cause Nikki, I don't know if you know, that's like with the type of air and everything that you're doing, like you have to be very mindful of like how deep you're going, how long you're going and all of these things. Yeah. When you're working and you're diving, can you go for hours on end? We really don't go any deeper than I think I've gone 75 feet, but that wasn't even in the city limits of Chicago, which is three miles. When you look at Chicago, we're in the shallowest end of Lake Michigan. So it almost goes like this. Like if you're three miles out, you're probably in about 30 feet of water. Mm -hmm. Now the water level has risen. So you might be in 40. But it used to be, you know, when I got there 10, you know, 15 years ago, you're pretty much um, normally what we're diving in is uh, 30 feet or less. So when you're looking at 30 feet, if you know the recreational dive planner, when you look at that, Mm -hmm. you know, it starts out at 35 feet. Well, why does it start out at 35 feet? Because pretty much anything less than that is almost an indefinite amount of time because you're absorbing the nitrogen absorption of of the scuba tank. It's 79-21. So you're 79% nitrogen, 21% oxygen in your scuba tank. That's kind of the air we're breathing right now. And there's other things in the air too, but that's pretty much, you know, for argument's sake, what we're breathing. So that's what your tank is comprised of. So if you're when you're searching for something, you're pretty much running out of air in your tank at 20 feet before you even have to worry about your nitrogen absorption issues. So there's a second diver. So that second diver goes down now, and they might be down depending upon everybody's different, you know, how they breathe. So they might be down, like say, in 20 feet for maybe 40 minutes, sometimes less because you're breathing heavy, right. zero visibility. You're a little excited. Maybe you're newer, so you're usually consuming more air than you are when you're a more experienced diver. So by the time your first diver goes again, you're probably maybe an hour. Okay. So you, you have no issue at that point. You know, you're not just consistently sending in the same diver. We just wouldn't do that. Yeah. And then if there's zero visibility and you can't see your gauges or it's extremely cold, you know, 10, 20 minutes tops and you start counting it out. You're like, all right, you're at 20 minute mark. I was down one time in the winter and we were, I was looking for a gun and it was cold outside. It was like three degrees outside. Actually being in the water was warmer, you know, so I'm diving and looking for this gun and I'm like, wow, it's so nice down here. It's clear. I could see everything. This is terrific. And then I'm like, man, my hands are starting to get cold. That was the first thing to start getting cold on me. And then I'm like, all right, I see this bottle. And I'm like, I'm going to see if I can pick this bottle up because I'm starting not to feel my fingers. I'm like, oh, I stayed down too long. I couldn't pick up the bottle. My fingers wouldn't bend. Oh my so, I'm God. Like, so I'm like, this ain't good. I tried climbing out the ladder and I couldn't grab the ladder with my hands to bend my fingers. I had to use my palms to go up. And uh, by the time I got into the dive truck to warm up, I felt like somebody beat my hands with a stick. I mean, it literally took like an hour for my hands to thaw out. I mean, I was in so much pain. And I'm sure I did like, you know, nerve damage to my, my fingers and my hands, you know. So you just really have to be cognizant of that. How often would you get called out? Are you going out and diving every day pretty much or just a couple times a week? I would go out all the time. And sometimes I would dive just to check them out because I'm like, all right, we had a job there before. Let me see logistics of how to get there. Because usually logistics is huge. How do I get a boat in here? Can I get a boat in here? Do I get a vehicle in here? How do I get into the dive site? And then we found out when I first got there, they used to dump a lot of stuff in Lake Michigan. They dumped old guns in Lake Michigan. So there's old bottles. There's a lot of like treasure out there almost. So we would go out there all the time and kind of treasure hunt, but it's training. 
Because anytime you're getting your gear on and jumping off a boat, mm-hmm. doing circle searches, it's how you would do it if you're looking for a gun or you're looking for a body. I did over 100 dives one year. But yeah, with dive jobs, sometimes you could do one a week. Um, it depends. There was a girl that was stabbed to death downtown Chicago. And it looked like on the film that the offender threw the knife into the river. So we were searching there for days looking for the knife. The colder the water, the denser water is. So when you stir up something water, the bottom of water, and you see all the particles floating, that's turbidity. In warmer water, it settles down quicker. And colder water is denser, so those particles will float. So it's harder for it all to settle and for you to see. So you try not to stir up the bottom. So you'll go dive somewhere like 20 feet from your objective and settle yourself and get neutrally buoyant and get ready, which neutrally buoyant is you're not on the flat on the bottom and you're not popped up on the top. You're like an astronaut floating. And then you start heading towards your objective because if there's visibility, you don't want to stir that up. Were you able to find the knife? No. I mean, I'll tell you right now with my experience looking for things, whether it's a body or a knife, it's a needle in a haystack. And one of my partners actually a baby that was chopped up in a lagoon and he was going by hand and he said he felt the bag and knew it didn't belong there and felt the head and it was the head of the baby and stuff like that so you know it's 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 stuff like that the next day we went out looking for the rest of the body parts um so it's pretty horrific and literally in a year i probably recovered hundreds of bodies a lot of them floaters they're just floaters you know they'll pop up eventually so there's always stories behind that loved ones and some people waiting on shore while we're diving, you know, second day, third day. I mean, obviously this person's deceased yeah, and they still have this sense of hope. You could tell they think some miracle is going to happen or something. Yeah. But, you know, what so. time do you have to call it? If you've been diving for like three or four days and you haven't found anything, do you just have to like call it and it and it's done and you can't dive anymore? A lot of times that goes by politics of the heat of the case. Some days they'll be like, you guys are going to stay out because the family's on top of it. You know, and to me, it's it's kind of messed up because if this, if this was my loved one, I'd want these guys to be out there until this is resolved. You know what I mean? Yeah. But there are other jobs and stuff like that come up. You know, like we had a call of a lady on a small boat. Two guys jumped off to go swimming. They had trouble. One guy tried to save the other guy. They both end up drowning. So she's calling a mayday. So we pull up in the marine boat and it's like, all right, I'm talking to the lady. It's obvious there's alcohol involved. You can smell alcohol on her. I'm like, all right, where did this happen? Now she's pointing almost a mile away because the boat is drifting. She had a cell phone that wasn't working. So it took her a while to get a hold of her sister who got a hold of the police who got a hold of the marine unit. This boat drifted here. It was an hour drifting. So quite frankly, we have no clue where this is. Mm. You know, the lady took us back. She points to the size of a football field. So imagine this. Put a blindfold on, and I'll throw you in the middle of a football field and start feeling around if you could find somebody standing somewhere. You yeah. Know? That's pretty yeah. much how it is. You know, it's not saying we give up. It's like, all right, we got sonar, we got radar. I would use all these things, but it's still really a, a needle in a haystack. How do you navigate if the sonar picks up someone? Or something. You have some sonar that's attached to our boats that you could pick up objects. So let's mm. say there's a barrel down there. Obviously, a barrel isn't going to show any heat or anything at this point, but it'll show an object down there. 
So you look to see if you could see if this object looks like a body or if it's a hit. You know, I've dove on a lot of times where you're like, hey, it looks like something will dive into being a rock or something. Oh, okay. So, you know, but again, you, when you're gone, get to that point, it's a recovery. You know, if you're setting up sonar and, and dropping it in the water in a location, it's pretty much a recovery. Are other departments and other states and counties, do they all have a dive team or or no? Well, we also have the Chicago Fire Department dive team. Some other municipalities, smaller ones, have small dive teams. Mm-hmm. Some of them are volunteer. Um, you know, some of it is just their own equipment they buy. It's not equipment that's all supplied in, you know, uniform and stuff like that. That's wild. I, I'm, I'm in California and I'm in Southern California. Uh, every town, even in California, is going to have a Marine unit that deals with law enforcement and diving and stuff like that. The Coast Guard does not do that. We have the Coast Guard here. They actually are limited in what they could do. You know, they don't dive. They don't have a dive team or anything like that. So that's all um, local municipalities that do that. Federal law. They enforce federal law. I mean, all the waterways are federal waterways. So they have the jurisdiction theoretically over everything, but they don't, they don't have divers. They have rescue swimmers and things of that nature they'll deploy but they do not that's usually all local jurisdiction like okay. in the harbors and anything outside the harbors and stuff like that yeah. and then you have conservation police um i'm sure california has conservation police they usually deal in you know snowmobiling hunting fishing stuff like that wow there's it's crazy how many jobs there are that i had yeah. no clue <laughs> yeah and they all kind of overlap to some degree wow Mario, you have a question? I don't want to hog it. No, you're fine. I have a bunch I wrote down. Um, Kurt, I wanted to go back and just clarify this a little bit. When you were talking about looking f- for the knife from the potential stabbing, and we think that it's in this area, how do you guys determine like how large of a dive area that you're going to search? Because obviously you have to take currents into effect or weather or any of these things. So like when you get called to go do a dive, what are you guys going through to determine like, okay, we're going to search this wide of a radius? Because like you said, I mean, you could just keep searching forever, theoretically. So how do you draw those boundaries initially? Well, the old uh, when and where, you know, in general policing. So you want good eyewitnesses. Um, in this case with the knife, we actually see the offender throw something. You know, we couldn't, we were just guessing that it's the knife because the knife sure. wasn't found. He ended up killing this girl. This girl ended up dying. Um, so it was a murder. Uh, so we, we, when you looked at the video, you start looking for landmarks. You're like, an angle will be, you know, you, an angle of everything. <laughs> you get a total, di- one person looking at an angle this way or looking at something from this way is two different, completely, you're, you get two different explanations of what they yeah. see. So you're looking to find as many cameras as you can. And we did see the individual, the offender throw what, we what, we weren't sure if it was a knife or not. Where we were guessing it was the knife because it wasn't found on the scene. And then we're watching the video because if we're diving it. I'm not going off of secondhand information. I have to mm-hmm. see with my own eyes. And then with my team, we're looking at it and we're saying, okay, this looks like the area. Let's use this area. And we'll always move out a little further on each end of where we're looking. We'll enlarge it a little bit. Now, there's mm-hmm. been times where you get, like we were looking for a gun in a lagoon. A police officer was chasing someone and it was at night. And then he says, you know, over here, we get to the scene. So we're searching. We don't find anything. 
And then the next day he comes out and he's like, oh, what's wrong? He's like, no, I was over here. And then we found the gun. So um, it happens like that. You know, you get a lot of bad information. Uh, sometimes people lie. We had a bank robbery. Somebody said they threw the gun at a location. It's like, well, you know what? There's probably half truth to this. They did throw the gun in the lake. They're just not giving us the right location. Right. You know, so, right. you know, because a lot of people do that. They'll confess something, but they give you half truth to it. So, you know, we take everything with a grain of salt. What is like the percentage of actual recovery? Like how often are you guys able to recover a weapon or a body? Is it pretty uh, high? No, it's pretty small percent of the time. There was an incident that happened in the summer. A boat backed up and ran over two ladies and chopped off Ugh. two feet. Of one. one lady lost both her feet. And one of the one of the feet wasn't completely chopped off. It was hanging on by skin. But one mm. of the foot was gone. And the next day, partner went and dove and recovered the foot. But he knew where the boat was. <laughs> you know, when it happened, yeah. the incident happened. Yeah. He got to the incident. He marks the incident. You get, Latin, you know, Latin long. You know where you're going or you drop a marker and bam, you know that it, it's right here within a reasonable distance of maybe a 30 foot radius. You could say because of boats moving and everything happening. But, you know, in that sense, you could recover it. And if you see it, somebody going down and drowning and there's so many cameras everywhere, the likelihood you're, you're going to recover that person. Um, it maybe, I mean, Suicide, you find these people, you see video of them jumping in the water and drowning. It's a high percent you're going to recover them. Um, if you have a suicide note and uh, they went to the lake to commit suicide and you have this large area, you know, a lot of times for some reason, I don't know why, people usually fold up all their clothes where they're going. The problem with that is passerby might pick up their clothing, cell phone, and now, you know. I mean, we had one where it was on video. A guy shot himself in the head and went in the water. And so we're searching for the gun, but we have video of it. And, well, now we find out, you know, you watch the video long enough, and uh, his body was recovered. It floated. He had a jacket on, so he didn't go under. And somebody picked up the gun. So we were diving for the gun, but we would never find it because it, it didn't fall in the water with the guy. It fell on land. And somebody walking by picked it up and took the gun. So, really? Yeah. Like they just took yeah. it as like they're going to take it and go home with it? Yeah. Like, oh, look at this. I found a gun. What? <laughs> not, like, oh, let me, not like, oh, I found a gun. Let me call the police. I would yeah, never. Like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy to me. <laughs> what? So. So, you know, we were diving on it and there was all these big boulders. I'm like, hey, I could have fell in between these rocks. Be careful. You don't want to get stuck in a rock, in between a rock. You know, so we were looking and it's like, all right, you know. And then we went back to the boathouse and this guy, Keith, he's the desk guy. He's really good. He goes, well, let me go back. You know, so he's watching. You know, it's like you got to watch hours of it. It's like, well, what time did this guy shoot himself? Well, I'm sure we got him at, you know, nine in the morning. It's like, okay. And what time did he get recovered? You know. At 12, his body was seen floating. So that's three hours. So it's like, all right. You know, so you find out in the video, he shot himself at nine and he's floating in the water. And now you got uh, three hours by the time we got there. Let's take a look. And now he's watching three hours of film and there's a dude walking up and yeah, he picks up the gun. <laughs> so it's like, you know, you do your homework and say, all right, there he is. You pick up the gun. That is wild to me that anyone would even think to do that. 
That's crazy. Yeah, it, well, it's Chicago. It's crazy. So you never know. <laughs> when I first came on the job, I remember this old timer in the cam. He said, listen, he goes, you know, you're going to have the a front row seat, the greatest show on earth. <laughs> you know, and you're going to see things that, you, that, that people will never believe in a million years, what you tell them and what you say, what you see. They're going to say there's absolutely no way that happened. And it's true. Listen, there's a bazillion of these stories. They're not like they're they're uncommon. It's very common. You know, you're just shake your head. It's just it's like every every time you're like, oh, I thought I seen it all. And you're like, nope, there's a new one. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> I was thinking in my head, Kurt, while you were talking about like the body parts in the water. So if I'm diving and I'm going to go look for a foot are marine life at all something that can help tip you off to a location? Because in my head, I would be thinking that maybe fish or something would be trying to eat at it. Or do they not really like stay around it? Do they just like nibble and move on? Like You will get like nibbling. They'll nibble on like the soft tissue, ears, nose, things like that of that nature. But once you go down, for the most part, fish will stay away from you as a diver. You know, sometimes fish come by me, you know, like one time I'm diving, I'm like, I feel like something's like following me. I look behind me. I got like a school of fish following me. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, I kept on turning around. I'm like, man, look at these fish. He's like following me. But usually most, most of the time they'll just, they, they, uh, they'll take off from you. So they're, they're not, you know, you're really not going to get an indicator of finding something because of fish or anything like that. When a body's decomposed, Things sometimes bubbles will pop up. Actually, we could have cadaver dogs too go on the boat with us to smell that because when the body starts to decompose down below, bubbles will pop up, and that smell of decomposition will, you know, uh, come up with the bubbles with air of the decomposition. Can so, humans uh, that, smell that, or is it so faint that really only the dogs? Can no, smell it? my partner smelled that. He's like, I smell a dead body. And I'm like, really? Wow. And it's like, yeah, let's look over here. And, we'll, and say, that's where the body was. It was like, holy cow, you were right. I go, you're like a cadaver dog, you know? So it's like, um, <laughs> so yeah, you could, you will smell it. And that smell is extremely distinct. I mean, a decomposing body is uh, a smell you will never, ever forget. I, I was uh, searching for a, a guy one time who fell off a bridge in the river and I'm going and it's like, oh, you know, yeah, I had some visibility, then no visibility. So you're like, I'm going to, you know, bump into this guy and I see a stick down there. So I pick up the stick. I'm like, all right, I'm going to use this stick like a wand as I'm going because I figure that'll hit it first instead of me like just boom, bumping into him. And so I didn't find him. And then uh, this guy, Stanley, he dove next and we had a line on him. So he's got a line hooked onto him. And we're doing like these art searches and it's like, all right, Stan, he did one more search. He goes, all right, he goes, my line's caught. And we're like, all right, well, on your way in, get untangled. And, uh, you know, we call it, we can't find him. We've been out here three days searching. So he's going, he's stuck on the body. The line got stuck on the body. So he's like, you can hear it in his voice. He's like, whoa, you know, like in a panic. Like, oh my God, I just ran into this guy. So then he, you know, he brings him up and, you know, we're at the back of the boat. And this guy, Rigamore, is stiff, and he's like, you know, hanging on to this guy. And he's like, okay, get him, please. You know, get him off me, please. You know, it's freaky, you know. And, and the family's there watching. They were camped out for days, you know. And then you could see them them respond to it, you know. It's like, all right, we got to get, get this guy on this boat, and we got to get out of here. You don't want the family to see 
you know, somebody in decomposing like that, you know, no one should have to see that. You know, it's, you want, uh, you want some kind of, uh, resolution, but you don't want to see somebody who's, you know, at a level of decomposition. But, you know, in the summer, we've had a whole group of people fall off a boat and were missing. And then we went out there and it was a girl and recovered her and everything's bloated. The skin's peeling off, you know, the smell. It's just so cruel to just see that that's what happens to a person. It's just, just uh, pretty horrific. How far away from like like that one that the guy was on the line? Like how far away is the family on the shore to like where your boat is? Is that pretty far out to where they can't see it? Or do they have a pretty good view? No, they, they had a good view. We have no control of that. So yeah, know, they're, they're like 25 yards away. Okay. You know, we're doing recoveries and pulling people out and everyone's watching. You can't avoid it. You know, I don't think you even have a right to do that to people to tell them to leave. I mean, you could advise them. Maybe they don't want to see this and, you know. I feel like that would make people want to look more, though. If you say that, then they'll just bring a lawn chair yeah. and check it out. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, right. You get bystanders and morbid people and all that stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. You know. When you're doing those recoveries, Kurt, and you're bringing the bodies, are you wrapping them in anything? Or is it literally just a diver grabbing on to the deceased and pulling them onto the boat? Like, how do you guys get them out of the water and onto the boat? There's no easy method. So a lot of times I use a line and I try to, uh, and there's there's stiff, you know, rigor mortis is set in, their arms aren't moving. So I usually put a, a line around their waist that goes up underneath their armpits. And then we're just literally picking them up, you know, putting gloves on and picking them up. And we, we don't have like a whole pee kit and you don't have time for all that. And, uh, you know, prior to COVID, they didn't have all that stuff. You know, now they got all these kits for everybody. Sure. But they, they didn't have all those things. So you're just physically doing it. You're picking a person up, putting them on a boat, and then you have a body bag. And then you try to put them in a body bag. Mm. So from they go from from um, the, the water onto the back of the boat or on the boat into a body, you know. How does this affect your your mental health? I feel like the images that you've seen and like the component with the water and the darkness and the murkiness. I feel like it creates this very unsettling visual. How do you not see that every time you close your eyes? Well, you think of these people a lot. You know, you think of all the people, and kids, and stuff like that. You know, I drink bourbon. That helps. Um, I don't drink it to an excess because I like bourbon. And I don't want to have to give it up. So you have a balance, you know. You, um, to be 100% honest, there yeah. was a, uh, there was a, uh, I watched, this Howard Stern had Ozzy Osbourne on, and they said they, uh, they sent him to Betty Ford's clinic for drinking. And he said, I thought I was going there to learn how to drink like a gentleman. <laughs> he didn't know he was going there to give up drinking. So I always remember go, well, you know, I got to drink like a gentleman. I don't want to have to drink it. So I don't drink and do an excess or whatever. But yeah, that, that that is a coping mechanism. I work out, sure. you know, um, that helps me. And, and you talk about it. And sometimes you joke about it, you know, and people say, oh, these cops are morbid. But it's, it's a way of relieving this, this stress and this mental visions you have in your head of everything. So you deal with it in no sense, and then you put it in perspective. It makes you more protective of everywhere you go and everything you do. Mm-hmm. So it does affect you and your life. Um, you're always thinking of those things. You know, you're on a boat, you think of 
the incidences and stuff like that, it plays back in your head. You realize it's all part of life, so you try to just deal with it in that aspect of it all. You know, you try to, uh, you can't let it eat you up and eat you alive because it will if you let it. What's yeah. the hardest case you've ever worked, Kurt, or the case that has stuck with you the longest? Well, I'm looking for uh, a baby's body parts. That's probably it, you know, where you're looking yeah. for. It's, it's those that just stay with you. And then it's just uh, all of them. They're all unique. You know, I remember this um, girl in the winter. I think she was going to University of Chicago, and she ended up drowning. And uh, the day crew ended up recovering her. And when I got to work, her body was on the back of a boat. And her father came in. And, you know, he wanted to see her. So, you know, they opened up the bag and she was in there and, and he was just distraught, crying and, mm. you know, things like that. That stays with you. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that. Yeah. The families would be tough. And just seeing, yeah. I mean, yeah, that would be the hardest part. I'm picturing myself if that was my child or husband or whoever that I love. I mean, as hard as it would be, I would want to see them too because i would feel like seeing is believing right because they're thinking well maybe they didn't drown maybe they just they're on land somewhere and yeah they hit their head and this and that and then like we had one was a uh a, a kid he ended up drowning and uh, we were searching and some of the family were saying you know, we weren't searching right but you know i talked to the father and it's like listen i'm treating your son like if he's my son yeah you know, out here you know so I want you to know that I give you my word. We're looking. I treat it like, hey, this is my kid out here. I don't want anyone quitting. Right. You know, keep going. So you you walk in their shoes, you know, in that sense. So you're always thinking that. So, you know, and, and that's the majority of officers that are there. You know, they want to be there and they they have that mindset. You know, if you just can't let it eat you alive because it will. So you try to distance yourself from it to some degree. Like I said, sometimes with humor <laughs> or you know, or you just sit on the boat looking for a body. You're not even talking about that. You know, you're doing sonar. You're talking about other things, talking about, you know, my kid, or we're talking about their kid, or bust each other's chops. And then all of a sudden you hear a call and you're on one radio and everyone's silent. You know, yeah. boom, it just all of a sudden you're like, all right, turn it up, you know, turn that radio up. So, you know, that's how it kind of is. You know, it's, it's unique. It's a unique thing. Well, this is like fascinating to me because my son, he's 12 and he's obsessed with all sorts of branches of military. And I always tell him, I'm like, you can join the Navy and be a diver. But now I can throw out another option and be like, well, now you can join the police department and be a rescue diver because he loves water and like he's been a fish. And I don't know if you can relate to that, if you were like that as a child, but he loves it. Yeah, I mean, that's great. I mean, you have Navy divers, obviously you have Navy SEALs that dive. But you also have other Navy divers that do other things. And then, of course, you know, law enforcement has diving, you know, and fire department. Fire department Which I never knew too, either so. of those before today. So I know we've kept you longer than I said we would, but you're just so fascinating. So I apologize for running over on our okay. time. That's okay. To yeah. wrap up with some fun questions. Nikki, you want to kick us off? Yeah. What are one of your hobbies besides diving? I like to work out. So, um... I do that, and I have a 13-year-old son, so we play golf and ride motorcycles, so those are the things I enjoy. Oh, fun. Like dirt bikes? Yeah, he's got a dirt bike. I got a dirt bike. Yeah. But I think I, I need to sell mine. I'm a little 
No, my kids, um, cause we go out to the desert, like kind of like past, oh, yeah. um, Palm Springs. So my kids have dirt bikes. My husband does. I had a quad, but we just bought a razor cause I'm too old. I need to sit. I can't. I'm... Oh yeah. <laughs> what is something that you collect? Uh, I do collect a lot of guns. I have a lot of guns. I'm okay. <laughs> gun collector, shooter. So I have a lot of those. I just bought a, uh, and a 1911 a 45 Colt from uh, World War II. So I went on this uh, civilian marksman program and was able to get a Colt from 1943. Wow. So, you know, it was probably used in World War II, Korea or Vietnam. So, you know, it's kind of uh, cool. Yeah. I love history. So I love anything that's tied to history type stuff. That's cool. Mario, you got one? I do. If you were to select your last meal, what would you have? It would probably be uh, pasta, meatballs, spaghetti meatballs. I'm half Sicilian, so I got to have pasta. Is it homemade <laughs> or is there a favorite oh, yeah. restaurant no, you have? No, no, no you got to make your own sauce. That's so great. Thank you so much, Kurt. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so yeah, much. The best for, uh, time. Thanks for taking an interest in what we do. Okay, so what do you think? Love. Cool job. Right? Yeah. I mean, and I really didn't know that it was like a whole department. No, not at all. I've never, ever heard that in my no, life. Never. I always thought it was like I told him, like the, um, I always thought it was the Coast Guard. Yeah. That's literally why I reference like the Ashton Kutcher movie, because I literally just thought they were all part of the same thing, which glad to know they're yeah. not. And just further backs up the Mariah usually has the occupation yeah, wrong. So. Exactly. I love to stay on brand. Um, amazing. Yeah. And super creepy. I couldn't. Do it. It's like Frodo I'm telling you, you got to watch it now just to see I that scene. I just can't. The bodies with the bags of body parts and the darkness. Mm -hmm. And there's just too many variables. Like maybe I'm just not a, a diver at heart, but like on top of worrying about your own personal safety with like water temperature, oxygen flow, your levels, your, your depth that you're diving at the time that you're diving at. Because I'm stressed about all that, just like recreationally diving. So I can't imagine having all those stressors, plus the stressors of trying to find something. Yeah, no. Mm -mm. I was thinking of Juan when he was talking about like the body and I was thinking of the skin slippage. Oh, the skin slippage? Yeah. 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 I was thinking about that and I'm like, oh, I don't think I can handle that. No, because it's all like slimy yeah. and sliding around and yeah. Bleh. Shout out to Juan's episode, which is what episode number is that? If you don't know what we're talking about, you can go give it a listen. Um, he is a fingerprint examiner that talked about some of the issues they have when bodies have been exposed to water for a long period of yeah. time. Um, episode seven, episode seven. So. Go ahead and go give that a listen. It reminded me but, of, um, did you ever see X-Men? Um, like that? No. Oh my God. Serious. I know. I'm, I'm really turning into Will today with my it's movie. really upsetting. Lacking experience. Seriously upsetting. Usually I can keep up with you, but today, no. Yeah. I, 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 I There's like this character that I think it might have been from the first one, like the first X-Men, and they turn him like into this like blob thing where his body starts like liquefying. And yeah, that's what I kind of picture. Every time I hear the word slippage, I think of the X-Men character. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. No, I just cannot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a big swimmer, so yeah. that would bother me in big bodies of water. 
I think you're more the rescue driver, like this job you can get into. I can get into maybe the boat driver. I can drive the boat. I don't think, I think Wyatt will have to do the diving. I'd offer to do the maps, but I can't tell you east from west <laughs> no. and north from south. So that kind of takes me out. So maybe I could just do like refreshments and snacks yeah. for the divers because I can't contribute much in this area. I don't feel. Yeah, you could probably drive the boat. I mean, maybe, sure. But again, I don't know my directions very well, so I might get us lost. We could never go on the amazing race together. It would just annoy me. Oh, we, we, we'd be so bad off. Oh, I feel like I have an internal compass, but I don't know. Yeah, lefts and right. Well, I know lefts and rights, obviously, but like west, east, because I always do that. No, never eat. always like it's so easy. But then you got to do the never eat shredded wheat. You remember that? I know that. But like when I'm standing in the middle of a field, I can't tell you which way the wheat is. Mm. <laughs> You know what I mean? Because North is not, I don't know. It's a very weird thing to me. I feel like you just like, isn't it by the sun or something? Yes, that's what Will always says. And I'm like, I still don't get it. Mm, Yeah. So if anybody out there has any tips to help me with my navigation, let me know. But I struggle hard with that. Yeah, you can't be my partner on Amazing Race. That's for sure. No. Sorry. Thank you so much for listening and supporting us. We do encourage you to follow us at Instagram at Body to Burial. Hit us up on Twitter at Body to Burial. And you guessed it, you can send us an email to hello at Body to Burial.com. If you have any guest suggestions, just let us know. Please hit the subscribe button or follow button on whatever app you are listening to. Thanks so much, guys. See you next time. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.